Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food, fitness, and mental health come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on MTK, Meathead Test Kitchen. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, a podcast where we make fitness and nutrition accessible to anyone. I'm Sadie. I'm Sasha. And this week, uh, surprise, surprise, we hit the Instagram trough again to see what stuff in the fitness and nutrition space you just don't understand no matter how many times someone has explained it to you. So this was spawned again. I don't know how many fucking episodes this podcast responded by shit that we see on Instagram, but it's a lot. At least 50%, I would say. Test Kitchen, sponsored by things that attack us on Instagram. <sighs> Thing, really, honestly, if we were going to rename this podcast to be anything other than Meathead Test Kitchen, it would be airing of grievances because, Jesus Christ, do we have some. <laughs> no, but, seriously. Yeah, for real. For real. It would just be called airing. Of, maybe we do another podcast called Airing of Grievances where you just bitch about shit. But I feel like you'd just be listening to the same fucking podcast. We'd just be talking about other topics. But anyway, um, so there was a meme that was out on Instagram earlier last week, and it was like, if someone can't explain it to you, in the like in the basic way that you would explain something to a five-year-old they don't understand it mm-hmm. and so it's you know in the in the fitness and nutrition space you hear a lot of jargon you hear a lot of shit like that when you hear a lot of those buzzwords coming out of someone's mouth all at the same time <laughs> strung together in some sort of word salad one they're probably trying to sell you something two they're using all those fucking terms to cover up their lack of knowledge or confuse you or confuse you so that you buy into their bullshit. <laughs> so here we are, our first ever Explain It Like I'm Five episode. <laughs> Welcome to it. <laughs> We're excited. I actually, that when you sent that over to me, I was like, man, because it's true. Like if I can't break it down and explain it to somebody, even like doing some research and then being able to re, not regurgitate, but retell somebody that same Packaging. information that makes it understandable, palatable for everybody, then I don't understand it myself and I shouldn't be talking about it. Yep. So that's why we did this episode. If you, if you feel called out by that statement. It's okay. Yeah. You can't see me if you're not watching on YouTube, but I just shrugged and was like, that's on you, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here spitting the facts. And if you don't like it, well, that's not my fucking problem. Keep yeah. your side of the street clean and you won't have a fucking issue. <laughs> exactly. So let's um, get to it. Our first one. Yes. Uh, our first one comes in from Lindsay and Lindsay asked about RPE. So RPE is the rate of perceived exer- exertion. So perceived exertion is how hard you feel like your body is working. And it's based on physical sensations a person experiences during that said physical activity, including increased heart rate, increased respiration or breathing rate, increased sweating and muscle fatigue. So RPE is kind of advanced training theory. And we're going to explain why here in a second. Um, But you do have to have a little bit of base knowledge and weightlifting and knowing what your body feels like to engage in RPE. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's why a lot of people have questions about it. It's not like base level gen pop entry level shit. This is like novice to expert stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you are on the cusp of wanting to go from not, you know, like a newbie to a novice, that's fine. So here's why you would want to use RPE instead of a percentage-based program. Personally, I'm a fan of percentage-based programs because all my clients can fucking understand what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though percentage programs are easy to use, they can be limited sometimes in how accurate they are. Now, there are many things that can throw off your percentages. Um, do you have ovaries? Or have you been sick lately? Mm-hmm. Um Did you have a really good training session where, you know, or like a really good training cycle? Sometimes those happen where you just outlift your percentages. That happens. Like there are so many things that you can, that can fuck up your weightlifting percentages. But for us, 
in the capacity of the way that I am coaching you as an athlete that is just training to train to feel like an athlete, we don't need to worry about most things other than your percentages because we're working on consistency and like trying to get your form drilled into your brain so that we can move on to the next complex part of your training. Mm -hmm. Your training reps is not what I want to be the most complex part of your training. So that's why I don't opt for RPE. If I were to do a training program for myself, would probably try to do something RPE. If I did something for Sasha, would probably do something RPE because we have that little bit of base knowledge in there already. We know how our body's going to react depending on like, I mean, I know you know this too. Like, you know, days where you walk into the gym and you're like, I'm gonna fucking crush it today because your body just fucking feels good. Mm -hmm, Some days mm -hmm. that doesn't happen and that's all right. So like RPE is just, we're going to get real dorky about it. So like prepare yourself. (laughs) Yes. And the longer you go in a training cycle, the less, like you just said, the less accurate those percentages become due to your individual strength adaptation. So the scale in our RPE scheme is going to look something like this. 10 maximal, no reps left in the tank. Nine last rep is tough but still one rep left in the tank. And a lot of times you'll see this prescribed as RIR. So uh, uh, rep in reserve. So it'd be marked as one RIR. Uh, Eight weight is too heavy to maintain fast bar speed, but it isn't a struggle two to four reps left. So two to four RIR is how you'd see that on your training. Yeah. So like you can see how it can be confusing, like just with all of the abbreviations and all like it's a lot it's a lot and it takes some time to get used to. So like the level seven, your weight moves quickly when maximum force is applied to the weight. So this is your speed weight. So when we talk about speed reps, we're not talking about light reps. You want fast reps. That's like a number seven. Six is light speed work moves quickly with moderate force. Five would be most of your warm up weights. Four is a recovery. Um, usually like 20 plus rep sets. It's not hard, but it's intended to flush your muscles. And then we don't talk about anything under a four because it doesn't really tax you in a way that you need to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you've ever wondered why RPE only goes from four to 10 on a chart, that's why you don't need to worry about three, two, one, because they're just chill. Yeah. It's like body weight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially. Um, so here's how it works. You apply it to a set and rep range. For example, if you're going to do five by five at eight to nine RPE, you know that you're going to do five by five with a weight that is between an eight RPE and a nine RPE. So you should select a weight that will allow you to do between one and four more reps than the set requires. Now, here's why people don't use it as much as percentages, myself included as a trainer. Percentages are easier. I said that already. RPE is good, but if you're not an established lifter, it can be hard to implement because how do you know what weight's going to allow you to do one to four more reps than the set requires? That takes a lot of time in the gym. And that's why, like, if you start with me as if you're like, I want to lift, I want to train to lift, I want to fucking do this. I'm like, okay, we're doing percentages. And then maybe in like a year, we can talk about doing RPE because after you do percentages long enough, you get to the point where you know, like, okay, a 10 would be your one rep max. Mm -hmm. That's really fucking easy if you know what your one rep max is. But if you don't have any idea what your one rep max is or what it will be for, you know, a foreseeable future so that you can have a consistent baseline, that's hard to know. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't know. So that's why RPE is great, but it is not for everyone. Um, you can definitely learn and like work up to it for sure. That's absolutely possible. But um, it's, it's in the words of, I think it was Mrs. Krabappel. It's a perfectly cromulent programming strategy. Cromulent is an actual word. You can look it up. It's from the <laughs> Simpsons. Um, but it's definitely not for everyone because it can be confusing. There's a lot of, you know, abbreviations. Uh, 
again, you know, if you don't have a base of lifting knowledge, how are you going to know what a four is versus a seven? Exactly. You really have to, I feel like you really need to know yourself um, and have established your one rep maxes multiple times before you really know what your perceived exertion is. And possess a lot of discipline to not ego lift. Because if you are given an RPE of 10, what are the odds that you're going to actually like, it's a Pandora's box. Like RPE is great. RPE is great. We are not shitting on it. Don't think that we are. We're not saying anything that you shouldn't use it, but it can be, it can be tough when you don't give a client a box to just check, Mm -hmm. especially when that client hasn't been doing this stuff for a long time and they don't know their boundaries. Mm -hmm. RPE is for people that know their boundaries. Oh yeah, for sure. Or or if you're not to that point, that's okay. Yes. Or, and I see this, I see it a lot more, um, especially lately, I think in people who are preparing for bodybuilding competitions and things like that, um, because they really have to hone in those things. And they, at that point, probably know themselves pretty well in and out of the gym. So, yeah, the people that Sasha and I know that use RPE, bodybuilders, power lifters, professional CrossFitters, Mm -hmm. Olympic lifters. Yeah. If you're not doing one of those things right now, you don't really need to worry about it. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, like we said a couple times now, percentages are easier. Um, but if you ever have any questions or anything or looking into it, you can always email us at hello at meatheadtestkitchen.com. Um, so topic two today, Lori says calories in calories out. You've seen it everywhere all the time. You would think at this point it would make a little bit of sense, but I think it's gotten very, um, convoluted because there's so much information out there and everybody uses calories in versus calories out a little bit differently. So we are going to base it on the idea that to maintain a stable weight, well, the, the calories in versus calorie out is based on the idea that to maintain a stable weight, the number of calories you eat needs to match the number you expend. And to lose weight, you need to eat less calories than you expend. Calories in is what you eat. Calories out is what you burn. And this isn't any rocket science to anybody who has had a nutrition coach before. I don't feel like Um, if you're one of my clients, you're going to be like, oh, Jesus Christ, he's going to talk about this shit again. Um, But like you can't destroy what you don't put in and you can't burn something that you don't have. Mm -hmm. So like when we talk about you matching your number of calories, that's a maintenance phase. If you're exceeding your number of calories, that's a bulk phase. If you're under the daily amount of calories that you burn, then you're in a deficit. So that's, that's how that breaks out. That's what that fucking Venn diagram looks like. But there are three ways that your body burns calories. Three. I'm going to say them. None of them include any of the shit that you see marketed to you on TikTok, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, metabolism, digestion, and physical activity. That's it. No fucking cleanses. No thermogenic bullshit. No fucking wraps. Okay, let's dig in. Now that we're done with that, I ripped that Band-Aid off. It doesn't fucking work, okay? Right. It doesn't. It doesn't. It works, exclamation point. That makes it sound like, you know, eh, no. Your metabolism. Your metabolism was what fucking works. And it works all the time. We've covered it before. But TLDR, your body uses most of the calories that you get from food to sustain your basic functions, like your heart rate, your breathing, your brain function, all that good shit that you don't even have to think about because our bodies are cool like that. So when people mention base metabolic rate or BMR, this is what they're talking about. The absolute basic amount of calories that your body burns per day doing the most basic Being alive. Work. Just Literally being alive. Being alive. <laughs> yeah. You could lay in bed all day and that would be your BMR. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, so digestion. 
10 to 15% of the calories that you eat are used to power digestion. That's insane, right? This is known as the thermic effect of food and varies based on the foods that you eat. We dove a little bit into this. uh, I don't remember what episode it was, was, but it was a while ago. So go back, find that. I can link that one in the show notes, but we did get um, pretty nerdy about this very topic. Um, physical activity also. All the leftover calories you get from your diet are meant to fuel your physical activity, including workouts and everyday stuff like walking and washing the dishes. Yeah. So um, that 10 to 15% is fucking wild. But when you think about it, your stomach does a lot of fucking work. Your heart yes, does a yes. lot of fucking work. Like it makes sense after you're like, oh, yeah. But like when you first see that, it's kind of like sticker shock. You're like, damn. Holy shit. Calories. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so burn, you know, burn, baby, burn. Disco inferno. Disco sucks. It's fine. Uh, from a biological perspective, though, you need to eat fewer calories than you burn to lose weight. There's no way around it. It is a fact of life. It's not our opinion. It is a scientific fucking fact. <laughs> it is a scientific fucking fact. Once your body's energy needs are met, resources are in show notes, by the way, meheadtestkitchen.com. Um, extra calories are stored for future use. So some of that goes to like your muscles as glycogen. Um, But most of it will be stored as fat. And where that fat goes is going to be dependent on your independent genetics. Um, Because nobody's body does things like that. We all have a general set of functions that our bodies do pretty similarly. But like as far as like where your muscles go first and where your fat goes first, that's going to be completely dependent on you and your family's genetics. So if it goes to your ass, it goes to your ass. If it's like me, it goes straight to your tits. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why we talk so much about like, you can't spot reduce fat. No. Wherever it's going to come off is wherever it's going to come off. So the best course of action, to be totally honest with you, is to love the meat suit that you are in and accept it for what it is and what it does for you. And someone actually asked us, how do I get rid of stubborn fat in my belly midsection area when we asked for questions today? So I'm glad that you said that because we tied it in. Even if we didn't answer your question, I hope you're still listening. If you didn't catch it, I'm going to send you a message. So you do listen. Um, but yeah, you can't you can't control where your body burns things. You can try that freezing laser therapy and shit or you could you know, you could try all those things. But here's the sad reality. The sad reality is if you don't change your fucking nutrition habits and you're moving your body habits, it's all going to be for not you can go have a fucking tummy tuck and a boob reduction but if you're not changing that you take in 3500 calories a day and that you're a completely sedentary person you're gonna go back to looking exactly how you did you know two years before like Mm -hmm. and not to like be like oh my god you have to do this you're gonna look like that but if you're going through the effort of having invasive surgery like that why wouldn't you make sure that you have those other steps in place already? Or you get those steps in place first and then you realize that you don't even need to have the really expensive, really invasive, almost potentially life-threatening in certain situations, weight loss surgery. Yeah. And like side tangent, I think that if they aren't already requiring it in some way, shape or form, they should require people to sit and talk to somebody about the issues that they have with their body, their body Mm -hmm. image issues. Now they make you they make you do like a whole diet and stuff, but I don't know that they make you do a psych exam. And I think that if they don't, they fucking should. Yes, I totally agree. Because if you're not, if you, yes, you can get the surgery and and you're going to feel more confident and things like that. But ultimately, if you're not satisfied with your body and like learning to love yourself, it's going to be very easy to fall back into maybe poor habits that you had before. And cosmetic surgery, I've never done it. If you do it and that's your thing, that's fine. But I feel like it can be a slippery fucking slope. After the first one, it's easy to talk yourself into the next one and the next one and the next one. And I feel like this is 
people say they do it to make themselves feel better, but I still feel like they're doing it because they're they're literally projecting their insecurities onto themselves at that point. You're not fixing anything. You're not fixing the base issue. Yeah. And that's the shit that's in between your ears. Like be okay with yourself and then do that shit because you want to do it because you know that you can fucking conquer it because it's a hard thing to and do. And because you love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it as a punishment, please. Like don't do anything as a punishment to yourself because you think you deserve it. As someone that has done things as a punishment to themselves for many years of them, li their lives, I'll say both of us because we yeah. do. We don't really anymore. Like we're better about it, but still like, we we did a lot of things to ourselves in forms of punishment because we thought we deserved it because we weren't good people or because you know we had an insecurity or whatever fuck that fuck that we're past that shit <laughs> we're fucking yeah. past that shit love you for who you fucking are so you're not a size fucking two guess what i haven't been a size fucking two since i was in eighth grade exactly who cares exactly um, so the calories in calories out things, there's your first tangent of the episode, mm -hmm. um, eating more calories than you burn will cause you to gain weight. Whereas eating fewer than you need will cause weight loss. It's pretty simple, um, <laughs> concept <laughs> now that, um, excuse me. Now what about those people yelling about the type of food that matters? We've done a whole episode on this as well. Not even going to address that. Uh, nope. we talked about it with Dr. Fit and Fabulous on episode 15 you can eat 100 calories of lettuce or 1,000 calories of French fried. Your body doesn't care what it is. It's just going to break down the nutrients and send them where they need to go. Yeah, it can be a Big Mac. It could be lettuce. It could be apples. It could be Snickers bars. Your body doesn't care. It takes it in as calories, and then it's just like, okay, well, it's this type of nutrient. This is going there. Well, it's this type of nutrient. This is going there. Well, it's this type, so it's going there. Your body doesn't take into effect what percentage of carbs, fat, and protein are in your food. They just take it in and they're like, oh yeah, this is 75 grams of protein. This is 12 grams of fat and this is 42 grams of carbs. Do, 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 do. All right, you're going to muscles, fat, you're going to the liver, carbs, you're going to the brain. Mm -hmm. Like that's how it works. It's not, your body doesn't take it in and go, oh, well, this is- It's a Snickers. This is a Snickers bar. We're going to send this straight to the ass cheeks. That's not how it fucking works. No, it fucking works. <laughs> Nope. And the internet, they want you to think that so that they can market more bullshit at you. But that's not how this fucking works. Maybe this is why we're not popular on TikTok anymore. Because <laughs> we're not going to lie to people. <laughs> yeah, because we don't fucking lie to people. We're not sensationalist bullshit like 95% of the things you see on that fucking app. Um, <laughs> but like some diets can also take into effect water intake. And that can cause muscle loss, which can give you the illusion that the diet that you're on is being effective. Now, this is why we harp so much on protein intake being important when you're in a weight loss phase. This is why it's imperative. You don't want to lose muscle mass. Muscle mass is what keeps you standing up straight. It's what keeps your joints working right. It's what keeps you feeling good. It helps burn your fucking calories. The more muscle you have on your body, the faster your metabolism goes. You don't want to lose muscle. Why would you want to do something that can jeopardize your muscle mass just by not doing it? Like there's untraining and there's atrophying. Like if you get injured and stuff, like I'm dealing with muscle atrophy. That's one thing. But like to make the choice to like dehydrate yourself on that lemon cayenne water bullshit fucking cleanse or whatever. Why would you want to lose muscle mass so that you can have heartburn and spicy shits for three days? Right. No, thank you. Not the fucking goal. Not what we're going for here. That shit ain't attractive. Like it may sound like flashy and like it's a miracle thing. Oh, by the way, if someone tells you that it's a miracle cure, it's fucking bullshit. Nope. Things aren't that <laughs> your body is like complicated, sure, but it's not that complicated. It's right. This is basic 
stuff. Um, this is basic biology. Yeah. Yes. So if people are yelling at you, like talking loudly, using big words, using bold captions, using all caps there and they're, it seems like they're, you know, blowing something up or, or making it into this huge thing. They probably are. <laughs> I, I think that people forget that when folks are confused about things, it's easier to manipulate them into doing things that they don't need to be doing, especially when it comes to fitness and food. Yep. It doesn't yep. need to be more complicated than it is. It doesn't. It doesn't. It really, really doesn't. And I don't know how many times that we have said that or how many more times we will say that in the future, but we have to continue to say it, which means that people are still, you know, doing the other thing that make us have to fucking be like, hey, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. So do the smell test, please. If it's too, if it sounds and looks too good to be true, it, it probably is. Yeah. So our last one, um, Jay wants to know about creatine. So creatine we've talked about before. Um, but like this is just a quick synopsis as a whole about what it is and what it can do for you. So creatine is a naturally occurring substance in your body. Um, it is the most studied supplement, the most. Um, it's been around for a while. We can get real deep on this one because there are stacks of info to swim through. Yeah, like a lot. A lot. <laughs> I mean, stacks and stacks and stacks of studies, mm -hmm. multiple mm -hmm. articles. So we'll give you the cliff notes here. Uh, what is creatine? The dictionary definition is a compound formed in protein metabolism and present in much living tissue. It is involved in the supply of energy for muscular contraction. Creatine is a substance found naturally in muscle cells. It helps your muscles produce energy during heavy lifting or high intensity exercise. So this is why we say that creatine is important and it doesn't matter who you are. If you are doing any sort of strength activity or endurance activity, creatine is going to be essential for your performance. Now, we're not going to talk about loading or any of that shit because we're talking to a five-year-old, right? Five-year-olds don't give a fuck about creatine loading phases and have fun explaining a creatine loading phase to a five-year-old. Not what I'm here for. Yeah. But anyway, uh, chemically speaking, what does creatine do for us? So it shares many similarities with amino acids, important compounds in your body that help build protein. We've done a couple episodes about those as well. I was actually going through our episode list earlier this afternoon, and I was like, oh, yeah, we've done like two or three about amino acids. Damn. So those are there as well. Um, but your body can produce creatine from the amino acids glycine and arginine. Yes. And about half of your body's creatine stores come from the food you eat. Wow. Yep. What a fucking concept, especially red meat and seafood. And the rest is made in your liver and kidneys from amino acids. So um, if, if you caught that part about red meat and seafood, if you are a vegetarian or a vegan and you are weightlifting, you might want to supplement creatine for that reason. But taking creatine as a supplement is really popular amongst strength athletes, bodybuilders, weightlifters. They use it to help gain muscle, enhance strength, and improve exercise performance. And there used to be a period of time where... Was it Mark McGuire that got in trouble for fucking using creatine in the 90s? Which is the most ridiculous thing ever now, going back and looking at that. Yeah. I didn't realize it was created a performance enhancing drug. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was using other performance yeah. enhancing yeah. drugs too, but he was shooting <laughs> those in his ass cheek, not taking those in a fucking milkshake. Right. <laughs> so when you supplement, um, you are going to increase your uh, stores of phosphocreatine. This is a form of stored energy in the cells and it helps you and your body produce more of a high energy molecule called ATP. 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 
ATP. Uh, ATP is like the first two chapters of your personal training textbook. If uh, if you ever want to get certified, ATP is really fucking important. It is basically your body's most basic uh, cellular function chain for energy. Um, and there are different ways that it can happen. Like we'll we'll do we'll probably have to do a video about that at some point because that shit's confusing to explain without graphics. But when you have more ATP your body can perform better during exercise. So ATP is very important. It is it is what drives you when you are doing that hard work. So creatine also alters several cellular processes that can lead to increased muscle mass, strength, and recovery. And those are all good things, my friend. Exactly. The other Another reason that people supplement boosted workload, it enables more total work or volume in a single training session, a key factor in long-term muscle growth. Mm-hmm. Also, improved cell signaling something important that you don't have to think about. It can increase satellite cell signaling, which aids muscle repair and new muscle growth. Yeah, so creatine not only will help you build, but it will help you regenerate things that have broken down on top of that too. I mean, I guess that's what building is in a sense, but like it, it does a lot. There are there are a lot of things that this little compound does for you, and it's awesome because creatine's incredibly fucking cheap. It's like $20 for a two pound tub on Amazon. Um, it raises your anabolic hormones and uh, you hear anabolic and you hear about strength sports and you're automatically like, fuck yes, give me that shit. Right. Right. Yeah. So studies all like a lot of the studies will know a rise in hormones such as IGF one after taking creatine. IGF one is going to be good. And what is What exactly does IGF one do? I'm going to see, cause I've seen it before, but I think it's a insulin like growth factor. So it helps with, uh, there's, a hormone similar in, okay so it's a hormone similar in molecular molecular structure to insulin that helps play an important role in muscle growth um you'll hear about it a lot if you have kids uh that's like so it's kind of like it's human growth hormone essentially um but it's your body's own derived form of it you don't have to take it like synthetically or anything like that so like when people talk about taking human growth growth hormone that's a fucking hard one to say by the way human growth hormone <laughs> words um, they'll also like have a diet of 500 calories to go with it. And then they give the human growth hormone all the praise that they lost weight. And it's like, no motherfucker, you ate half the caloric intake of a goddamn newborn baby for three weeks. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? Exactly. It's not the HGH, the $600 vial of shit you just paid for. It's that you starved yourself for fucking three weeks. Um, creatine is also going to increase your cell hydration, which is great. Uh, because it lifts the water content within your muscle cells, which causes a cell volumization effect that can play a role in muscle growth. But it also gives you that pump when you work out in the gym mm-hmm. and everybody loves that shit. Absolutely. It's also going to help reduce protein breakdown. It may increase total muscle mass by reduce, reducing that muscle breakdown. It's going to lower your myo- myostatin levels. Elevated levels of the protein myostatin can slow or inhibit new growth muscle growth. So supplementing with creatine can reduce those levels, increasing growth potential. All good things. Like all I hear is that creatine is going to grow your fucking muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, Creatine supplements can also increase phosphocreatine stores in your brain, which can promote brain health and improve symptoms of neurological disease. Yeah. Again, all good things. All I'm hearing is that you should be supplementing with creatine. Exactly. It's, Creatine is one of the cheapest, most effective, and safest supplements that you can take. It supports quality of life in older adults, brain health, and exercise performance. Vegetarians, as we mentioned, who may not obtain enough creatine from their diet and other adults may find that supplementing supplementing creatine particularly useful. 
creatine myohydrate is um, likely the best form if you're interested in trying creatine to see if it works for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, we talk a lot about taking care of your brain muscle here on MTK, and we would like to talk a little bit more about how BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, can help you if you're looking for counseling online. It's super convenient. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. It's amazing. I've signed up for it myself. Um, I think that it's super important, especially given the things that we've all had to deal with in the last year to address some of your issues if you're having some. Um, and BetterHelp can definitely assist you with that. Um, you can log on to your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone session so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. No one likes those um, waiting for traditional therapy. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if the one that you found just isn't working out for you. Uh, we've talked about that before too. Finding the right counselor that fits for you to be comfortable with, to talk to, um, and talk through some things. It's super important. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is also available. BetterHelp wants to help you start living a happier life today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. That's www.betterhelp.com slash reviews. And today you can visit betterhelp.com. That's H-E-L-P slash M-T-K. Um, and you'll get a special offer just by being a listener of Meathead Test Kitchen. You get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash MTK. So if you're in need of a counselor and are seeking professional help, please check out betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash MTK and get 10% off of your first month today. Yeah, and you can find creatine monohydrate super cheap online. Like, let's go see what it's going for right now on Amazon. I think I got my tub of it and it lasted me like two months for 20 bucks yeah creatine monohydrates um yeah you can get one brand which is like a generic you can get 500 grams so that's 100 servings for 27 dollars yeah so yeah. yeah i mean if you get the i would recommend getting the smaller tub because the creatine scoop is like the size of a thimble you don't need a lot um, and it honestly, it doesn't matter when you take it either. I, we've talked about that before, but like we just went through all that shit about creatine. So we'll talk about timing real quick. But like your timing isn't really that important. There's a lot of meathead science that will tell you that you have to do it at this time or at this time. I usually drink it with my morning juice with my breakfast yeah. and you, yeah. you can take it after if you like to put it in. I've also done it before in my pre-workout. I'll put a scoop of creatine in with my scoop of pre-workout, shake it, slam it, go. Yep. That's so, usually I mean, what I do because it helps me remember to take yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm already scooping one fucking thing into my water bottle. I may as well throw the second scoop in there and be on my merry way. So that's the way that we usually do it. You can do it however you want. If you want to put it in something like a, uh, you have like a before bed protein shake that you like to do, throw a scoop in there. It's fine. It doesn't taste like anything. Um, but if you are going to mix it into stuff, make sure that you like dilute it a tiny bit with a little bit of water first so that it doesn't get gritty because it can get kind yeah, of it can get gritty. It can be crystally. And uh, that's not always what someone's looking for when they're drinking a drink. <laughs> right. So I think we'll probably need to do another one of these because I think we get a, quite a few questions. But 
as always, you can follow us on social at Meathead Test Kitchen everywhere. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under that handle. It's MTK Staff on Twitter. Um, don't forget, we have a YouTube channel where we have the full length video every single episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Buy some training templates, meatheadathletics.com. Um, I've got a couple spots left on my roster. If you're looking for nutrition coaching or personal training, getting one of my clients ready to fucking run some marathons. I'm excited. I get to learn about coaching a runner, which I'm a little scared, but <laughs> it's going to be cool. I'm excited. I bought all sorts of books. I was like, girl, I got some books and she's got some books and then we're going to read our books and we're going to be like, all right, how the fuck are we going to do this? But um, yeah. So buy some training, grab some merch, shop.herdatmedia.com. You can find the merch link at meatheadtestkitchen.com. You're the best. Don't ever stop fucking being awesome. We love you. Be fucking nice. MTK. Out, out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK. A Hoda Media Production.